0: We are back on the Super Sentex podcast with me, as always, DJ Ramirez. DJ, good to see you. Hi. Hi. And Chad (laughs) Conine. How are y'all doing? Good.
1: Good, good, good.
0: So, guys, let's dig right into it. Uh, China Spring, to me, is a pretty incredible story this year. Um, Of course, we know what they did last year uh, winning state first time since 1978 uh, they did that under Brian Bell's leadership um, you know the Bell family are kind of like um, I don't know the Kennedys in Massachusetts you know <laughs> in terms of China Spring royalty um, that team incidentally that China Spring team produced nine players that were either first team or second team Super Centex and seven of those are now they're seniors gone. Yeah, yeah. they're Seniors. Uh, and one of the returning ones is China's first kicker, Thomas Barr. Um, so, and, and of course, one of those guys that graduated major Bowden, he was our super syntex offensive player of the year. He was also the Texas football magazine, like player of the year. Um, had a, had a, just a tremendous year. Um, so with all these guys gone and, and their head coach moving on to Baylor, how have they been able to maintain this championship caliber team?
1: What do you like, DJ, take the first shot at this one?
2: Well, they, I don't think very much changed. Cause I mean, Tyler Beatty was an assistant. So the system I feel is pretty much the same. And all those guys that are now, you know, the ones making the plays, I feel like, you know, it's been years that they've been putting in that work. And so you've got, you know, Trey Hafford, Tristan X-Line, Kyle Barton, um, and, and just, you know, other, other, like, what was it? Two weeks ago when I went and, um, Miles Reed was a second stringer came in and just, was going on all these runs and and just taking off and and that's it he's a senior he's been there a while and um so i feel like it, it's just the the work that coach bell had implemented before and that uh coach beady is continuing you know, to improve on it's, uh, you know, it's not really a surprise that they're still good because they've been putting in the work and then you you get a kid like Cash McCollum who's, you know, really talented and works real hard and, and kind of had experience before and who's from a football family. I mean, his dad is an assistant coach at China spring right now. His brother's at Texas A&M. Um, so I don't know. It's not really surprising that they're still going at it because they're, yeah doing what they were doing before
1: chad well as an old sports writer (laughs) you make certain observations along the way and then they continue to build that like the evidence builds on that observation i don't think it's confirmation bias i think it's just like you see it over and over again and, and after a while you just start to believe in a certain theory okay and my theory in that regard is that When you lose a coach, whether he's hired away by another school or, well, I guess that's the only way you lose a coach, right? I mean, like when a coach is hired away by another school because he's doing so well at your school, it is a whole lot easier to keep it going good there than the other way around when you fire a coach because it's not going good, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, very much the case at China Spring. It was going good. They were an attractive place to be. Like DJ said, they hired from within. That's another factor, you know, I mean, like look back at, um, I think I start, really started to develop this theory when Billy Clyde Gillespie was hired away from a and by Kentucky. Right. Because he had, you know, I think he had turned around a basketball program. I think that's a fairly, you know, well-established point. Right. And yet, the next guy won at Texas A&M basketball. And then the next guy won at Texas A&M basketball. And Texas A&M was in the spot where it was, you know, traditional basketball power. And yet guys kept doing good, getting hired away. And the next guy came in and did good, you know? So um, maybe overrate coaching in that regard, you know? But uh,
0: Well, I think, not to give you guys too much praise, but I think both your points are pretty valid. Uh, um <laughs> I mean, I do think so. Let's let's just play a game of pretend here for a second, make believe. Uh, you know, Lorena, it it was kind of the perfect Michael Jordan moment for Ray Biles to retire last year. Honestly, he had been mm. in the you know coaching forever, and uh, wasn't that state win, Chad? It was his two hundredth. Uh, yep. victory, that win, winning the state right. championship game. He finally gets the state ring. It's his 200th uh, win. He could have just done Michael Jordan and said, see ya. You know, that's the perfect exit. He came back. Mm-hmm. But let's say he – let's say Ray Biles had, had left. It would have made a lot of sense for Lorena to hire Matt Hurst, who's got Moody off to a nice 2 and one start He that would have been a hire from within. And I think Loretta would just be clicking along like they are now. So the point about maintaining some continuity there, especially when you're coming off a year where you won state and there's a lot of upward mobility, you know, there's a lot of, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of buzz and those kids want to keep it going. Um. So, yeah, I think that's a big deal. And then to DJ's point about their depth, You don't win state unless you've got some depth. I mean, and so um, the fact that Kyle Barton was not a super syntax guy last year, he was still pretty friggin' good. And it just speaks to our depth in Central Texas at running back. But certainly he's looking like uh, a, you know, super syntax running back, you know, this year. And, Uh, you know, DJ, you mentioned Tristan X line from the X line brother clan there. I mean, he's just kind of the next one up and, uh, you know, and then cash McCollum, man, uh, DJ, I'll have a story on him this week, but, um, yeah, he's cut from a football cloth, you know? I mean, so that's a kid that's grown up around the field house And you can always tell that, you know, I think you see it uh, over in Robinson with their young quarterback. Who's just a freshman Jackson uh, Ludlow, you know, Mike Ludlow's kid, you know, those kids that like grow up. Brian bell was that kind of kid. Sean bell was that kind of kid. So those ones that grow up around football, they tend to not get real rattled when they get their chance, you know, so cash McCollum's probably got a little of that. He's got, uh, Eleven touchdowns, thousand yards passing already through just you know the first few weeks. So what I saw him do the other night was uh, Connolly scores and you know
1: kind of throws a punch and it's like okay you're going to throw a punch I'm going to drop back and throw it over the top of you guys mm. you know yeah uh, yeah so. that's
0: that's a good win for China for sure. Um, so uh, there are three schools in Central Texas whose names start with the letter M, uh, who have combined to go 0 and 11 on the year. And I'm talking about Mahea, Marlin, and Midway. Um, and yet, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like all three of these teams um, are pretty good winless teams, if that makes sense. I think they have reason for hope. Um, and so they all hit the reset button this week as district play arrives. Um, so I want each of the three of us to take one of these teams and I've assigned each of you a team and Chad, you'll have Mahaya, DJ gets Marlin and I'll take midway since I've obviously seen them, you know, a number of times. Um, and I will apologize right off the bat to Owen for Meridian. Uh, but. I just don't see the hope for Meridian. I'm sorry. Uh, you, all you listeners out uh, in our western counties, <laughs> sorry about that. But uh, so I want you to lay out their path to the playoffs. What do they have to do? And so we'll start with the Mahia Black Cats.
1: Well, they got they got to start, you know, slowing some people down with their defense. Uh, you know, you look at their first 3 games and it's it's a pretty brutal you know, set up for them to open with Conley, then play Franklin, then play China Spring, you know, three different offenses, three offenses that can light up the scoreboard.
0: All class and yet, 4A teams. And right. They, now they finally get into, you know, picking on some guys their own.
1: Well, and that's true. And But they they play Gatesville, which is another 4A team. Actually, Franklin is 3A, but they 3A, play that's Gatesville, fair. that's a 4A team. And yeah, Gainesville, not not an offensive juggernaut of late, rolls up 43 points on them, you know. And and part of that, I think they had two interceptions and turnovers, turnovers are, will hurt you. Um they opened district play with Grosbeck this week, and that won't be easy either. Grosbeck's got it rolling. Um, so where they're in a they're in a seventeen district, right? Mm-hmm. So the road to the playoffs is well, you got to get to two wins at least. Right. Right. Uh, the the bottom three aren't going to make it. So a zero, a one and a two, and and maybe a two gets you tied with somebody, but, um, you know, they're going to have to beat Fairfield and TIG. That's, that's, uh, that's both probably must win games and Fairfield and TIG are probably looking, looking around saying the same thing. We got to beat you know, one of both of these other two to get in the playoffs. Uh, and and I, I kind of hate doing this. I ha, kind of hate pegging everybody to something this early in the year. Sure, but it, it that's what the question is, right? So uh, Kemp is another one, right? Kemp mm-hmm. Kemp's a, a gettable game that you got to get if you want to make the playoffs in that district. And then uh, let's see what Eustace's well, you record beat, is. Yeah,
0: well, Eustace is uh, two and two. Malakoff is three and one. Grosbeck is three and one. Right. If, but if you beat, if you mention, if you beat Fairfield, Teague, and Kemp, you're in. I mean. Right. Yeah, three will get you in, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and what a fun one to start off with Grosbeck and Mejia. Um, I, I think I, I may have said it on the podcast before. I certainly said it on Twitter this week. But to me, it's really fun that you get all these limestone, freestone county teams that uh you know haven't been in the same district all the time mm-hmm. because usually one of them is a class higher or lower or whatever but i'm, right. talk, I'm talking about mahia grosback fairfield and tig those teams uh have great rivalries and so grosbeck mahia is going to be fun it's going to be fun when fairfield mahia play t grosbeck tig fairfield all of those so that should be absolutely fun. yeah all right, so, uh, DJ, lay it out. What do the Marlin Bulldogs have to do? All
2: right, uh, this is an 18 district, so it's the top four? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Got to head back to the schedule real quick. Well, they've had some pretty tough games so far, and even, like, the loss against Crockett was pretty close. I think right there, they just, they, you know, being the start of the season, they had guys banged up and – um you know, just missed like small little mistakes that they were making, and obviously Mart is Mart. Yeah. Um, and just the situation around that game it was supposed to be a home game. They had to move it uh, a day up because they didn't have any officials, and then, you know, Grosbeck, it's like a two-possession game. Like, and like you said, Grosbeck was doing really well, so um, they got to beat Bosqueville this week. Yeah, in Bossyville, you know, coming off a win against Crawford, um, I think they're they're going to be pretty pumped up, and um, you know, Moody's off to a good start. But yeah, they looking at the at the district. I think if they beat Boskyville, if they beat Bruce Valley Valley Mills and Resol, they they can make it in.
0: Well, right. And uh, that, so that was a district that uh, was one of the ones, Chad, that you featured before the season. We were talking about some of the best districts in uh, the area. And Wait, did you say Bosqueville is coming off a win against Crawford or Clifton? Uh, you meant
1: to say Clifton. Clifton. Yeah. Let's make sure we get that in point made yeah. before we get a flood of yes, emails. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Sorry, yeah.
2: I was looking was looking. <laughs> Was it's, all, at- it's
1: all good just don't just want to save y'all some emails I'm not on I'm not on that email chain
0: anymore so <laughs> good call good call yeah, yeah they beat the Clifton Cl- Cubs last week Bosqueville did uh nobody's beaten Crawford yet and to me uh I would say at the start of the year we would have thought Marlon right there with Crawford as the district favorite in that district right now Crawford's looking like the favorite just the way they're playing but it I, I think there's a common theme in the three teams that we're going to talk about here, and DJ just talked about it. Chad, you mentioned it with who Mejia has played, but they've all played brutal non-district schedules. Two of the three that Marlin played that DJ just mentioned, Class 3A teams. The other one, the top-ranked 2A team in the state in 2A Division II, the Mar Panthers. So. Uh Marlin has challenged itself big time. Those kind of things tend to pay off. Uh, because I'm sorry, you folks out in Moody and Bruce Villetti and Riesel, you're not at the same level as Mart and Grosbeck and Crockett. It's just it's just the case. So Marlin is gonna be favored in those kind of games, and then you know. Uh, the Bosqueville game, we'll see. I mean, uh, that's a that's an interesting one. Uh, I still kind of maybe like Marlin and its speed in that game. And then, you know, may- maybe if you start getting a little bit of downhill momentum and, and picking up steam, then, you know, I mean, they walloped Crawford pretty good in the playoffs last year. I mean, so you can't really even count them out of that game. Right?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, that that's a, that's going to be a challenge for them because they're not where they at where they were last year. At this
0: that's point. fair. That's fair. No. I but think- uh, to me, Marlin out of the three teams that we're breaking down right now, to me they're they're the easiest one to say they're turning around. That's they're true. Going to be in the playoffs. I just that's feel, true. I just feel that this district is fun, but it's not. It's it's not the toughest district. I mean, uh, you have Crawford, who's really good, and then uh, to me, Bosqueville and Marlin are right there behind them. And then and then it's kind of everybody else. Moody's off to a good start, but uh, you know, and uh, Riesel, of course, made the playoffs in three A last year, but you know they're not tearing it up here in the early season. They're one and two. They seem like a bit of a wild card. Riesel does so yeah, far. Could be. could be. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about Midway. And um, so, of course, Midway is 0-4. And, 4, and uh, I saw Curtis Quillen tweet something out last night where he talked about Midway's non-district schedule uh, because he had retweeted a tweet from Matt Step of Texas football talking about how surprisingly good Mansfield was. And I tell you, when I saw Mansfield in that season opener, I was like, wow, their defense is pretty friggin' good. That D line for Mansfield gave Midway all kinds of problems. And so Midway follows Mansfield up with Odessa Permian. Uh, then you get a little bit of uh, Austin Vandergrift and that friggin' quarterback that was the Baylor baseball commit. And they have a offensive lineman going to Clemson. And then last week, you get Rockwall Heath. And let me tell you guys, Rockwall Heath is a friggin' sports writer's nightmare because <laughs> they run plays so fast that, I mean, sometimes I couldn't even get the play written down. They were already lining up for the next play. And so it's no one, they're, they're like an old Art Bryles team, honestly. That's how fast they get up and down the field. But Midway, so to make the case for Midway, what they did find in that game last week against Rockwall Heath was an offensive spark uh, in moving Junior Thornton to quarterback. So his first two runs the game, first two runs, one went for sixty-five yards and a touchdown. Uh, the next went for fifty-six yards and got him right down in the you know in scoring territory. Um, the guy, so besides being fast. He's just got a lot of wiggle, you know, he just, he bounces off guys. He runs through contact and, um, obviously Hutto this week is going to have that scouted. They're going to, you know, but junior also has a pretty decent arm. So I do feel like they have found something with junior Thornton at quarterback. He's their best player by far. Um, so why not put it in his hands on every snap? You know, uh
1: At church on Sundays, people like to talk about football, which fine, great. It's I'm not a I would rather go to church and just go to church. I'd rather not talk about football. I really don't like talking about college football at church because I don't necessarily see eye to eye with a lot of my (laughs) fellow parishioners (laughs) or congregants.
0: I guess if I'm a Baptist, I go to
1: congregants. Maybe
0: maybe I should have a a Sunday school class just for bitter Red Raider fans.
1: No, I don't like Red Raider fans either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but I
1: but last Sunday, we were talking about Midway, right? And, and I go to First Baptist Woodway, so there's a fair amount of Midway talk there, you know. And they're talking about Junior, and somebody said to me, well, you know, he had a good game, but can they really get by, you know, passing for 50 yards and rushing for 250? And I just said, mm, Major Bowden?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, if if you're going to run for close to 300 yards, as he did, he had 277, three touchdowns, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to put up some points. You're going to, you know, and, and honestly, so they did take a couple of deep shots. Most of the passes that they threw with junior were little short outs, you know, to like Taylor Dudley in the flat, but uh, they took a couple of deep shots and on one of them, um, they got a pass interference call on the defense and, got yards that way so Mm -hmm. he's his arm is strong enough i'm not really worried about that is it is it like a classic quarterback arm no but uh but they can make some plays i think in the passing game what they what midway is going to have to do um is one they're going to have to have both units show up on the same night um i mean that they're going to need a complete kind of game but beyond that this is a this is a – they have winnable games coming up, finally. You know, I think Temple and Harker Heights will rightfully be favored against Midway just because they're a little more established. They're winning games. Everyone else, even Hutto, who's 3-1, and one, I think is on the table for Midway. I think they can beat them. Um, the The biggest issue I'm going to see is – do they have enough confidence? Cause they don't have any wins under their belt. So we'll see. All right, let's move up, move on. Uh, so not to call chat out, but I'm going to call chat out. Uh, <laughs> so a behind the scenes, look at uh, our text message exchange this week, DJ and I are working on stats plus. And uh, I mentioned, cause you, you do this sometimes Chad and I always used to do this. You'd say, <laughs> dude, look at this kid, you know, Uh mm. Dawson has a freshman quarterback, Brent Boatwright, who has thrown for 1,200 yards and 20 touchdowns in the first four games. And Chad was not overly impressed with Mr. Boatwright's uh, production because he cited Dawson's light schedule. And uh, and he threw up the little Michaela Maroney who did one of these, you know. <laughs> I, I can't even do it, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was a weird, it, it was a weird face. And I'm surprised it wasn't more readily available on uh, the memes or the gifts.
0: Well, I think uh, if you Google image for that, you would yeah. find Michaela. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: She did a, a commercial just recently, like within the last. Oh, year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where uh, the guys were throwing the Frisbee and it would get stuck on the roof. And and then she would hop up there and get it. And, uh, and then they threw it back on the roof and she'd give them one of these. You know. <laughs> anyway, so uh, all my question is, um, so rather than discussing further the the legitimacy of uh, young Brant Boatwright's numbers, I want you to give me a guy, probably that you have seen play this year, because that's sort of the uh, context here. Who's tearing it up in the stats, and you think, yeah, that's about right. That kid is pretty freaking good. Who who is that guy for you? DJ? I'm
2: trying to decide between Kiefer Sibley at Connolly, running back,
0: mm-hmm. who leads Central Texas in rushing. Yep.
2: Uh, 637 yards, 61 carries, nine touchdowns. Yep. Um, and he's right above Chris Cox at Grossback, who's got a rough 80, 87 uh, and 91 carries for 574 yards. Bounce so out. Also pretty good. Um, yeah, so it's either Sibley or Trey Hafford at wide receiver for China Spring with 400 yeah. yards. Wasn't receiver.
0: wasn't Trey Hafford Chad uh, the defensive MVP of the state championship game?
1: I believe so. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you talk about a kid who can make some plays. Yeah, I mean well, that. That you're right, DJ. That. Is not surprising at all that Trey Hafford's right on top of our area in receiving and was a preseason Super Syntax guy for us. I got an interesting insight
1: into Trey Hafford um uh, Friday night after the game. Um I won't say who the person was that told me this, but they they said that uh uh the Mahea game, you started to see that like afterburner type speed like that that breakaway i'm going to go score now type of speed you know that like he'd been good and and and, uh brian bell talked up trey hafford all season last year and especially going into the season about how much of a weapon he could be and i think he's i don't know found that gear uh you know when he's got the ball in his hands on offense to make things happen so um yeah for sure my guy and let me back up to boat right for a second. I'm not sure that I saw the freshman part of that, so I'll give the kid a little bit more credit if he's a freshman going yeah. for uh, 300 yards a game. Um, we'll see, you know, they're gonna, they'll, they'll, have the, they'll have their chance to prove themselves, you know, at some point in the season. They're well uh, they're but I'm going to go to another freshman um, for, for my answer to this question, and that's London Smith from University. who so I think we met, mentioned on the podcast last week as well. But uh, I got him right here at 14 catches for 281 yards and two touchdowns so far this season. Um, for your fantasy football team, that might be a good you know wide receiver three, wide receiver four type of numbers. 14 catches over four games aren't going to light it up, but for a freshman and a team that's trying to find its footing, that's pretty dang good.
0: Yeah, so I saw London's mama last night. Uh, we talked again. You're right. We did talk about London here on the podcast. Uh, His sister, Sydney, volleyball player at Midway in London, of course, is a freshman receiver at university. And I don't know, there's a part of me that really respects the fact that I think they live in the Midway school district. But when your parents, uh, when you have a like a parent that works for a particular school district, which they they do in Waco ISD, Rodney Smith is the assistant athletic director. You have the option, right? of going to mm. that other school where your parent works. And I, I think it's cool that London said, yeah, I'm not going to go to Midway. I'm going to go to university where my dad was a stud. You know, I mean, try to carry on the tradition. Rodney Smith is the beating heart of the U dogs, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson, Wayne Rogers, those guys, but but Rodney's been here and stuck around, you know. Two sports star, elevated their basketball
1: team big time, came over the football team and made as much or more progress as the program has made in a long time. So yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I like all of those answers. And to me, uh the the Trey Hafford one and the and the Kiefer Sibley, I think those guys, yeah. We know they're good. You know, we don't have to see their stats. You can just watch them play. And uh, and it certainly seems like London Smith is, is showing that early. I, I, I guess the one I've got to mention, I guess, is just Junior Thornton. Um, you know, he's he pretty much has climbed up you know, the ranks in the rushing chart just with one game, (laughs) you know? I mean, so I know that guy is good. It doesn't matter if he's catching passes, throwing passes or running down the field. I honestly think, and I've talked about this just with some other people, he could be one of the best running backs in Central Texas. So, you know, he could play running back, he could play receiver, he could play quarterback, he's just a football player and uh, he's just a junior junior is a junior. And uh, so we've got another year of junior Thornton and watching his highlights and, and that'll, that's good for the Midway Panthers. All right. We are going to wrap it up here. I know I uh, officially have one more question on the script, but we'll just pocket that one and save it for the next time. Sounds good. We're, we're over on time. uh, Well, yeah, we've got the, yeah. The countdown missile clock, you know, that's counting down. So, and we've all got stuff to do. So, appreciate y'all. See you at the games. All right. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Bye.